So hello and welcome to this ERJ podcast. This month we're talking about asthma. My name is James Chalmers. I'm the Deputy Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal and I'm uh, very pleased to let you know we're joined today by Sarah Hiles, uh, Peter Gibson and Guy Broussel who are the authors of a important new individual patient data analysis, uh, meta-analysis published in the European Respiratory Journal this month on the topic of macrolides in severe asthma. Uh, Sarah, Peter, and Guy, welcome to the ERJ podcast. We're now going to ask you uh, a few questions about your study to give an overview for our readers about the study and the important clinical messages. First of all, for readers that are not familiar with the methodology of an individual patient meta-analysis, can you explain the advantages of this approach compared to a traditional meta-analysis that readers might be more familiar with? Yeah, thank you so much for inviting us to speak about our work today. So I think the major difference between an individual patient data meta-analysis and a conventional meta-analysis is the data that goes into it. So in a conventional meta-analysis, you aggregate published summary statistics from the studies that you uncover during your systematic search, whereas in an individual patient meta-analysis, you take an extra step of actually approaching the authors of the original articles to actually get a copy of the data for each patient. Then you use these patient-level data in your analysis. So I think the really exciting thing about um, using this patient-level data is that you can answer questions beyond those addressed in the original studies. So for instance, you could look at um, outcomes for different patient subgroups uh, that weren't reported in the original studies. So for instance, within our study, we were looking at subgroups of asthma, uh, severe asthma, eosinophilic asthma, non-eosinophilic asthma. So we could take a definition and use it um, consistently across the different studies included in uh, the meta-analysis. Um, other things you could do is look at different definitions of outcomes, standardised outcomes across studies. You could also look at different characteristics or covariates that are associated with outcomes. Uh, and also combining data sets in this way using the patient-level data increases your power to detect effects. So I think patient-level data affords several advantages to answer new research questions effectively. So why did you decide to do an individual patient data meta-analysis on this particular topic? Well, this study was designed to address an important clinical question about how to address exacerbation burden in patients with asthma, particularly severe asthma. So we were interested in the role of azithromycin in addressing this burden. And I think the methodology of individual patient data meta-analysis was really essential for answering our research question because it was looking at the effects of azithromycin in subgroups of asthma. So one subgroup that we were interested in is severe asthma, so looking to provide um, some evidence to support the use of azithromycin in severe asthma. The other subgroups that we were interested in were eosinophilic asthma and non-eosinophilic asthma, so we wanted to clarify whether there were beneficial effects of azithromycin um, and whether they were selective in non-eosinophilic asthma, as was shown in the Azazas trial, um, or whether they were also observed in eosinophilic asthma, as was demonstrated in the Amazes trial. And so I think this patient-level data allowed us to apply the same subgroup definition across the different studies, which really allowed us to address a question that couldn't be answered with the original studies. What would you say are the key takeaway messages from this study for clinical practice? How would you suggest that we position macrolides for people with asthma at the moment? So the key messages from this individual patient meta-analysis are that azithromycin is effective at preventing exacerbations in people with asthma. In particular, 
the drug is effective in severe asthma, so it gives us another treatment option in severe asthma, as well as a treatment option for people with non-eosinophilic asthma. This subgroup has few treatment options available to it, and we, we've now identified that azithromycin is an effective treatment for reducing exacerbations in severe asthma and in non-eosinophilic asthma. So where would this fit into the treatment algorithm now that we have all of these biologics available, particularly for severe eosinophilic asthma? Uh, because the AMAZES study also showed efficacy in that group as well. Yeah, thank you. I think that's a really interesting question. The, um, there are clear benefits in eosinophilic asthma with azithromycin, and we would see it being an alternative to a biologic for T2 asthma. A key question is, uh, should it be used prior to or after a biologic, or even should it be used in combination with a biologic? I think they're important clinical research questions that future studies can go on and address. But what our meta-analysis tells us is that this is an option for people with severe eosinophilic asthma in the same way that monoclonals are also an option for them. And the studies included in this meta-analysis were relatively short in duration, so don't give us too much information about long-term safety. Do you have any concerns about the, the long-term effects of these drugs that patients may be on for, for many years? Uh, in fact, I don't. Um, we've approached this fairly cautiously, and, we're, and each of the studies that have been designed have looked fairly carefully at side effects. And also when we communicate this to clinicians, we're also cautious about recommending its use and recommending that they monitor for side effects, including the potential for antibiotic resistance. But when we look at the data that we have, we find that the drug is surprisingly well tolerated and the resistance concerns seem to be balanced out by the observation that you reduce other antibiotic courses. So intermittent antibiotic use for exacerbation is reduced when people go on to long-term azithromycin. And Guy, where are macrolides now positioned within the new severe asthma guidelines? Um, these data have been uh, already implemented in the new ERS ATS guideline on, on severe asthma, uh, which uh, are just published in the European Medical Journal. And so, in contrast to the first ERS ATS guideline on the management of severe asthma in 2014, where there was still a recommendation not to use macrolides, based on the AMAZES trial and now this individual patient data meta-analysis, the uh, ERS ATS guideline suggests that a trial of chronic macrolide therapy uh, is indicated to reduce asthma exacerbations in patients with persistently symptomatic or uncontrolled uh, asthma despite treatment uh, on GINA step 5. Um, they say that this is irrespective of the asthma phenotype, but I think that there, there's a clear interaction between the asthma phenotype and also the phenotype of the exacerbations and the treatment benefit of macrolides. This is clearly shown in our meta-analysis that in patients with isenophilic asthma, add-on treatment with azithromycin 
reduces the causes of oral corticosteroids, whereas in patients with non-isophilic asthma, the add-on treatment with azithromycin is mainly reducing antibiotic causes. So I think that we need to take this, this into account. In the GINA guidelines, GINA has just published the difficult to treat and severe asthma pocket guide for patients, uh, adult patients and adolescent patients with um, asthma. Of course, they recommend first to have the essential steps of checking adherence to uh, inhaled corticosteroids, confirming the diagnosis and improving the inhaler technique. And then Gina recommends the add-on treatment with macrolide as a possible add-on treatment in patients where there is no evidence of type 2 inflammation. Because for the type 2 um, severe asthmatics, there are uh, options for add-on treatment with biologics. Of course, if these expensive treatments of biologics are available and affordable. And so what we show in this uh, individual patient data meta-analysis of azithromycin is that also low-dose maintenance treatment with azithromycin could be a therapeutic option uh, also in patients with type 2 severe asthma. Do you think we need additional studies of macrolides in asthma? Uh, and if so, what are the outstanding questions? I think we do, and perhaps both Guy and I might contribute to the answer to this. I think we need to know how azithromycin is working. Is it an antibiotic effect or is it an anti-inflammatory effect or both? If we know that, it will not only provide stronger confidence for using the drug, it will also potentially open up another therapeutic modality in asthma, for example, if it's an anti-inflammatory action. Um, can we better select patients? Who are the patients who do best with this treatment? I think it's worth doing more work to try and better select patients. That'll also give people more confidence in using the drug in the longer term. And I've observed that there's variation in practice. People use different macrolides in different doses for different dose, dose frequencies. So I think there's an opportunity to sort of clarify that. Is, uh, is one macrolide better than another? Should it be given daily or three times weekly, for example? I totally agree. And if I may add to this, I think uh, for the type 2 biologics in, in uh, type 2 severe asthma, we have clear predictors of response and that we are, are lacking in, in uh, patients with severe asthma treated with, uh, with macrolides. So there are super responders, there are partial responders and there are non-responders. And currently, we lack clinical characteristics or um, biomarkers which are able to predict the therapeutic benefit of macrolides in, in patients with severe asthma. So that's a huge unmet uh, clinical need which um, warrants further research and studies. Well, thank you all very much for contributing this important paper to the European Respiratory Journal and for making this important contribution to understanding the therapeutic role of macrolides in asthma uh, and for taking part in the ERJ podcast. Many thanks.